You're good? Yeah. Okay. It's just whatever. Another episode of Literally Literary. You need more grumble in that voice. I'll try next time. I thought you were going to introduce us. Too. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> he, he just likes off. to say the name. Every he doesn't even. So, like, he just wants to go to sleep after yeah, that. Turn me down a little bit. I'm like peeking here. Anyways, so across from me, of course, is our host for this episode, Sean O'Brien. Hi, guys. And of course, across from him, we have another Sean, Mr. Sean Fall. Please clap. I, of course, am Joey Bonnier. Welcome to another episode, Sean, of Literally Literary. Mm. How are we doing, guys? I feel like I'm situated finally. Like, I think I'm going to be off mic a little bit, but we'll figure it out. You know how to read and talk at the same time. I feel like I might be able to do this. We'll see what happens. Right on. We'll see how it works. I only really brought a couple books this time. Uh Um, There was like the the Sheer Khan family. Khan! The Wrath of Khan. (laughs) you know, there was that whole Trump controversy. What? With Trump? The, Who's this guy? Yeah. I, so uh, among the 20 that happened the last kind of two weeks, um, one of which was there was a, there was a, a, a Muslim family whose son was killed in the Iraq war mm. about 12 years ago. In case you know you've been living under a rock. Right. Um, uh, <laughs> or in at Iraq. The, at the, well, you before, still know about it. <laughs> um so the the Mr. Khan, I guess, and I'm not sure exactly what I think that's right, right? Do you guys know his first name? Not a clue. Oh fuck, that's kind of embarrassing. Actually. The Khan man. The uh, Joey's gonna look it up. I, I, it's um, actually difficult to pronounce. I think it's like Xia or something like that. I don't that. know. At, anyway, at the warrior the, princess. <laughs> at the at the DNC, um, he held he held up his copy of the Constitution hmm. and and uh, you know begged Mr. Trump to read it because most of the policies he was trying to enact were. Unconstitutional, um, which is that's why I'm not afraid of them. Which is partially true. Yeah, um, the you know we've got the, the Muslim ban. Mm-hmm. We've got the the uh, what is it the the deportation of you know all the Mexicans basically any any undocumented immigrants. Um, Everyone that's not white. Figure it out, Joey. Yeah, Kazir, Kazir, Kazir Khan, Kazir Khan. So Shir Khan, Kazir Khan had anyway. So I I brought a copy of the Constitution, which I have. You're just swankier than mine. Yeah, I don't know where I got this. I feel like I got it in Washington, D.C., actually. Hmm. Um, the funny part was when I opened it, I had this sticker that says, Mean People Suck. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. It is very 90s. Yeah. I like mean people. It's like very. You like mean people? Generally. Yeah. I've. Um, Why do you like mean people? They're interesting to talk to. Uh, okay. So you don't like them. You just you like the idea of them. Yeah. I okay. like being around them. Yeah, that's different. Okay. I'm not like a, I don't think them. I'm a mean person, actually. I think hmm. in the group, I'm Shut usually... Up. Oh, Sean apparently is. <laughs> I, I, I love you. <laughs> uh, the only person I knew that uh, had that bumper sticker in the 90s actually cut off the mean. People, that's funny. Just said people suck. Yeah. I like that very much. Yeah. That is good. I like that very much. Anyway, so I know, I, I, I don't know where I got this. I think it was in Washington, D.C. around where I got the sticker. So I brought the copy of that. But I also brought, upon Joey's request, uh, Cicero selected political speeches um, and Thucydides, the history of the Peloponnesian War. The what none of these? The, the history. Thucydides, the history of the Peloponnesian War. 
Thucydides? Thucydides. Like yes. with the T-H? Yep. T-H-U-C-Y-D-I-D-D-S. Uh, is Flucidities something else or am I just dumb? Flucity? Flucity is in Florida. Flucidities? It's the flu city, Florida. Mm. The Zika virus, I think it is. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> all right. Nice try, but no, that's not where my ignorance is coming from this time. Um, what the fuck is a Thucydides? Thucydides is the guy's name. Okay. Joey, do you know about Thucydides? Sure. Care to he, elaborate? He, he's a Greek historian, one of the, probably one of the first historians. Um, okay. Arguably the first. Yeah, and he had a first- Is this like BC, AD, where are we talking? This is about- BBC. BC. We're, BBC. I think we're talking- Before, before. <laughs> exactly. I apologize if I'm wrong In about this. In the before this. time? I, I'm going to guess three- In the long, long ago? I have a book. I can find out. Go ahead. I'm going to guess, guess 320. BC? Or three, 350. Or BCE? Three, 350 BC. BCE? Well, don't forget, it's, it's the history of the Peloponnesian War, so it had to be after that. That, right. The war was so we're talking that gives you a, that gives you a two fifty two hundred two fifty numbers go backwards two fifty BC yeah. yeah that's your guess because three three thirty so was I think Alexander the Great right ah fuck it three thirty three forty five you, you know my history is on your little on your on your oh little I thought you had yeah. it in your book there I do but it's a lot harder to find in a book than it is on the internet all yeah, right books Jesus. suck. Uh, fought between Athens and Sparta from 431 to 404. Oh, wow. So it had to be after that. That was the uh, Peloponnesian War? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it still could be after it that. It was pretty much that. I mean, he, he, uh, when he did died. He Let's see. He oh, di- here we go. Here it is. Oh. Thucydides, son of Alorus, was born probably around 460 BC and died about the year 400 BC. Right. Okay. When the Peloponnesian War broke out in 431 BC. And he lived in Athens. Mm. So he got to kind yeah. of see most of it. Yeah, right? when, when war broke out. Thucydides probably took part in some of its early actions, actually. Sometime between 430 and 427, he fell ill of the plague but recovered. In 424, he was appointed general, but his small squadron of ships arrived too late to save the important Athenian colony of Amphipolis. Amphipolis. Amphipolis is probably like the city city by the sea or something like that, right? Amphi? Amphipolis? Yeah. It's hmm? not Amphipolis. From the, <laughs> from, it might be. Amphipolis. Amphapolis, you said? And, and Amphapolis sounds familiar. Well, there's an I instead of an A. Are you just trying to make a fop joke? No, I was oh. not making a joke. Oh, I'm just sorry. trying to make sense of this shit. Um, if you calling from Amphipolis from the Spartan, co- Spartan commander. Yeah, uh, it's, it's like a Brassos. slight island off the coast. There you go. Yeah. Um, though, was, though he successfully held the nearby port of Eon against Brasidas attacks. That's it. <clears throat> Well, anyways. In consequence, he was exiled, yeah. <laughs> not returning until 20 years had passed, only to die a few years later. Hmm. Um, anyway, so that's, that's Thucydides. Who was and the other guy? Cicero? Joey? Uh, Cicero was a, a Roman orator, I believe, and he was, he was just known for his orations and his speeches. Marcus so like Tullius Cicero, 106 to, 4th, to 43 B.C., Oh, so he lived in a really Roman interesting time. Roman orator and statesman was born in Arpinium of a wealthy local family. He was taken to Rome for his education with the idea of a public career, and by the year 70 BC, he had established himself as the leading barrister in Rome. In the meantime, his political career was well underway, and he was elected praetor for the, what is that, praetor? P-R-A-E-T-O-R. P-R-A? Yeah. Is that like a... Praetor. Not for the quite year a 66 BC, <laughs> it's, the, it's the post praetor. Yeah. Oh, a pra, like a pra, praetor. Praetor. Uh, yeah, like a praetorian. Um, Do I know? It was a title granted by uh, the government of Rome to men acting in two official capacities: commander of an army, or before the or elected magistrate. So it's like a, oh. a lower, not a lower, necessarily lower, like a, like a title. Yeah, yeah, like a lord. 
Uh, his ambitious nature enabled him to, to obtain those honors, which would normally only have been conferred upon members of the Roman aristocracy. He was duly elected consul for 63 BC. There you go. One of the most preeminent features of his political life was his attachment to Pompey. As a politician, his no Pompey? Pompey, no Pompey. Yeah, that's how you say it. Yeah. Sean O'Brien's right. Not Pompey, like not like the the These are two city. different things, right? Yeah, Pompey was a guy. Okay, cool. Um but, as a politician, you're right. his place too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm never correcting you. I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> I have no fucking clue. Um uh, it, long story short, Cicero was the greatest of Roman orators, okay. possessing a wide range of technique and an exceptional command of the Latin tongue. Um, mm -hmm. So, any requests? I mean, we have these three. Let me just go Constitution, since we started it. We'll go backwards. You want to go backwards in time? Sure. Do you, how do you guys know about the Constitution? What do you guys know of the Constitution? How do I know about the Constitution? <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's a good question. We had Where, to memorize the, the, the preamble. The preamble and also memorize the amendments. Yeah. You had to memorize them. We didn't have to like memorize, I'm sorry, not memorize them word for word, but we had to know like, okay, the 10th Amendment was this, the 21st Amendment is this, whatever. What do you guys know? Do you, well, got Shani, sorry. Oh, no, I was just in, in uh, Illinois, <laughs> there's there like 21st? a statewide test. So like in eighth grade, every student has to take a constitution test. So they, how much of it do you remember in general? Um, I got the gist of it, you know. The gist of the, <laughs> the general constitution or the gist of what? The constitution. Oh, okay. <clears throat> All right. Uh, pop quiz. How many articles of the constitution are there? Twelve? Um, like Twelve? I don't know. Six? Three, right? It's three, dude. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I really do not know the Constitution. Yeah. How many, why, what are each, what are the three? Do you remember? Um, why are there three? I'll put it that way. For the three branches of government? Yeah. The, yeah. I okay. believe so. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the first article is legislation, legislative, um, section one, all legislative. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. but you should mention the Articles of Confederation. Because that was like the, pr the yeah, pre- Yeah, that, uh, that was where there were 12, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Maybe that's why I'm confusing them. No, well, I, like, Maybe there were 10. So so one, I think, is the legislative power. Two is the executive. And three is the ju judicial. And yeah, then there's the, the amendments. Constitution. Yeah. That's the Constitution. That sounds about right. There you go. I wasn't sure of the order. I knew there were the three. Oh, but, gotcha. Um, no, there's more than... There's seven articles. Of the Constitution? Yeah. Oh, it's three sections, maybe, I guess I'm thinking of or something. Oh, my God. No, there are. There's seven. Look at that. Fuck me. Yeah, then we have... Yeah, what the fuck do you know? I, apparently nothing. Even with the book in your Article hand. 3 is judicial power, and then we have... Yeah, I know, right? Article 4, uh, full of faith credit shall, or full faith and credit shall be given to each state to the public acts, records, and judicial proceedings of every other state, and the Congress may, by general laws, prescribe the manner... Okay, so there's a whole section. I'm not really sure how to break down what that section is. Uh, I can read you what Wikipedia says if you want. Sure. Uh, Article 4. Article 4 outlines the relation between the states and the relation between each state and the federal government. Ah, got it. Uh, Article 5, the Congress, whether two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall purpose amendments to this Constitution or on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the – so just how it breaks down, basically. Well, this is says for a process for amending the Constitution. Oh, okay. Um, that's article, pretty interesting that there's an entire article just on amending the Constitution. It's important. All shit. of Article 5. Yeah. I can read all of Article 5. One-fifth of it's like, uh, this is going to change. This is how you're going to do it. Right. Uh, Article 6, uh, all debts contracted and engagements entered into before the adoption of the Constitution shall be, a val shall be as valid against the United States under this Constitution as under the Confederation. What, is the, what does Wikipedia say about that? Article 6 establishes the Constitution and all federal laws and treaties of the United States made according to it to be the supreme law of the land. I should have brought the Federalist Papers with me, actually. Uh, <laughs> Article 7, the ratification of the conventions of nine states. <laughs> They're stupid. There's 50 states. We don't even know how many states there are. Shall we, 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 you got to rewrite to, this thing. I know. 
uh, shall be sufficient for the establishment of this constitution between the states. Uh, so ratifying the same. What do you got, Joey? Article 7 describes the process for establishing the proposed new frame of government, anticipating that the influence of many state politicians would be anti-federalist. His own plan for a new form of government. That, I'm assuming that's yeah, Hamilton. Obviously Hamilton. Hamilton. Okay. <laughs> Sean's like cringing right now. He's going to have to cut that out. <laughs> um, have some respect. Joey, let me hear you do the preamble. Okay, uh, hold on. Let me find it here. Don't fucking look it up. I'm saying you had to memorize it. I don't fucking remember uh, well, it. Then don't, I have it here. I'll read it to you guys. Shawnee, we all have a copy now of the Constitution. This is fun. It's literally literary. Mm-hmm. Shawnee, do you want to try? Do you, do, oh, I'm saying, do you, mem- <sighs> have, do you have No, memorized? not at all. Nobody has memorized. Then yeah. I will just read it. Please. The Constitution of the United States of America. It, who's it written by? We the people. Applewood Books, Bedford, Massachusetts. Did he sign the declaration? <laughs> Mr. Applewood? I think that's just the printer. <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. Um, where was yours printed, Mr. Sean? Um, uh, the ACLU. <laughs> Mine was printed at Cupertino, California. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Constitution of the United States of America. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. Constitution for the United States of America. What did I say? Of. of. Shut up. Article what? What do, you want to, what do you want me to read? You want me to read some amendments? Yeah. Oh, okay. You guys don't care about the Constitution? Do I feel no, like... Do you have any questions about the Constitution? We have a whole show for it. Yeah. What do you mean we have a whole show for it? It's called Paula Tinkering. Yeah. Tune in. Oh, uh, okay. Ballcast.com. Fine. Every Saturday. So we're going to go back to the beginning with the Thucydides, the history of the Peloponnesian <laughs> War. That's what you're going to do? Yeah. Yeah, I love the Peloponnesian War. I think it's so interesting. What do you so know about the Peloponnesian War? Well, it's, it's a battle between two superpowers. It was the Cold War of the ancient times. It was Athens versus Sparta. Was it a cold? It was a legit no, war. No, okay. I'm sorry. It was not a cold war. <laughs> it was a legit war. But I just mean cold war between the two superpowers, which is the biggest thing so we've Athens had. So Athens and Sparta, right? Is the U.S. and the USSR is the only thing I can compare it what to. What was the difference between Athens and Sparta? Or the Athenians uh, and the Spartans? Athens was less militari- militarized. Mm-hmm. I think they didn't have as much slavery, although they did. Uh, whereas Sparta was a crazy, like, interesting militarized city-state where they had, like, just as many slaves as they had normal people. Uh, normal people, sorry. Uh, you know, regulars, whatever. Masters, if you will. According so, to 300, it was six-packs versus eight-packs. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and obviously, they're badass fighters, and they, you know, they do practice crazy, like, euthanization and, like, uh, uh, abortions and stuff for, like, babies that aren't big enough. They would, like, throw them down the cliffs. My body, my choice. Why were they warring? Uh, I believe it was over... Okay, so it was kind of like World War One, I, I believe, where they kind of had crazy allies. And basically, they, they established themselves as different leagues. Like, there was the, the Peloponnesian League, and I, that, and I believe there was also, like, the Spartan League. So, like, Athens and Sparta each had their own, like, colonies and islands along the entire Greek world. And basically, I think one of them rebelled and kind of like modern times, it's very similar to, you know, a modern war where they had to like defend their allies and they came to blows and it escalated from there. Okay. I believe so. I'm sorry if I forget this. No, I mean, I have a book right here. We're going to find out in a bit. Absolutely. The more we read of it. Um, The more you know. (laughs) Well, I'll just, I'll read the introduction. 
Well, first of all, by the it's way, so this was translated me, by. Like, I just kind of like bullshitted like my my diarrhea out of that. That was like stupid. <laughs> Might as well just listen to you actually say. It. I guess that's fair. Uh, this was translated by Rex Warner uh, with an introduction and notes by M. I. Finley. Um, You're pretty Finley, if I say so myself. Aw, stop it, you Finley with an F is in fuck you. Damn. <laughs> um, to clarify as well, by the way, any Greek translators out there, Thucydides is one of the most difficult to translate. Hmm. Plato is pretty easy to translate. Um, yeah, you just put it through the little squeezy machine it translates. To you're the you cutest want. thing I've ever heard in my life. Introduction. <laughs> my mouth is all dry. This is going to fucking work out well. Yeah. Good Foley. Yeah, I guess. Uh, the fame of ancient wars is commonly fashioned by myth and romance. Helen of Troy. The Pass of Thermopylae, Alexander, Hannibal. These are all the people and the incidents that keep wars alive in popular imagination. But not so the Peloponnesian War, as we call it, fought between Athens and Sparta from 431 to 404 with a scarcely honored seven-year, quote, peace in the middle. That war lives on not so much for anything. What? Sorry. Nothing. That war lives on not so much for anything that happened or because of any of the participants, but because of the man who wrote its history, Thucydides the Athenian. No other historian can match this achievement. No other war, or for that matter, no other historical subject is so much the product of its reporter. You want me to keep... Did you have yeah. a question before? No. Oh, okay. That is achievement enough. It becomes even greater when we look more closely at the man and his book. All that we know about Thucydides is found in the few scraps he tells us himself, and in short, eccentric, an unreliable biography from late antiquity create, um, credited to someone named Mars. Marcellinius, Marcellinius, sorry. Marcel Marceau? <laughs> Marcellinius. Oh, thanks, bud. I got a whole thing. Joey just brought me some water. Do you like the sausage being made there? Shani's like just, just gazing at me. <laughs> um, so that's more of the introduction. The introduction just keeps going. Um, right. I think I'm going to just skip. We'll yeah, just, yeah. Let's get let's, to the meat. Let's uh, dig in. Let's get to the meat of this here, the city is burned. <laughs> so we have... Uh, can we read maybe the speech of Pericles? What? Uh, Pericles, give, uh, the, the general, he's a famous general of Athens, and he dies really early on in, in the uh, Peloponnesian War, and it's like the turning point. Well, let's get to the beginning of it first. Oh, okay. Like, let's read the beginning it's of the It's kind book. of towards the beginning, actually, I think. It's like the, it's like the kind of the— Well, instead of me trying to find it, like, let's just read the book. I, I promise you I'll read whatever you want me to read at some point. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm, uh. Do you know where it is in the book? Because otherwise, I'm going to have to I, keep flipping through the words to figure it out. No, I thought maybe in the table of contents, but that's okay. Just read. Oh, in the table of contents? Okay, so in the table of contents, we have... That's a good question, too. Okay, we'll do it that way. Uh, there kind of is no schmurs. Okay, never mind. No, I got Sorry it. I got, it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Book one. So, book one, we have the introduction, dispute over... Edipa Why did I do this? I fucking pick another fucking book to, like, impossible to pronounce everything. Mm-hmm. The dispute over uh, Epidamnus, the dispute over mm -hmm. Corsica, the dispute over Port Portidea, Portidea. The dispute over a car? The debate Cor at Sparta Corsair, and Corsair. the declaration of war. The Pent Okay, so you, what did you want me to hear? The, the speech of who? Pericles? The speech of Pericles, all stories, blah, 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 Spartan and Ultimatum, Apric 4, first of the one who played, what boss is His funeral oration. The policy of Pericles? His he gave us him his funeral oration. Funeral for whom? Uh, Pericles. It was... Delivered by Pericles at the oh. end of the first year. Da, da, da. It was a public funeral for the war dead. Public funeral for the war. I'm not really sure. We're going to oh, have to figure right, it out. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, Let's just read something. 
I'm going to read that. I'm going over that I was going to. And you start asking me about fucking Pericles' speech. I know. And I realized that that was a dead end there. So I want you to just move Move on. this oh. man. <laughs> what? I was trying to get us back on track earlier. Yeah. All right. Try harder. Book one. Introduction. Thucydides, the Athenian, wrote the history. Well, hold up. Is he writing about himself? Thucydides, the Athenian, wrote the history of the war fought between Athens and Sparta, beginning the account at the very outbreak of the war in the belief that it was going to be a great war and more worth writing about than any of those which had taken place in the past. My belief was based on the fact that the two sides were at the very height of their power Wait, so and preparedness. We're now in his words? I can't really figure it out. It's just that's where, yeah, that's book one introduction, beginner. There's a whole translator's note, but I'm not going to. Okay. Do you want to hear the translator's note beforehand? I'm pretty sure it's the beginning of the book. Okay. Yeah, that's the beginning. Okay. That's the beginning of the book. All right. He starts by talking I'm gonna about himself. I'm going to jump to the city of Epidemus on the right of the approach to the iconic. Yeah, I mean, I think that's how he begins it. He just goes, he starts talking about. Yeah. It's like, well, in fairness, it is maybe not. I'm trying to see if they're like the letters are the same. No, I guess it is. It is, is. That's just the beginning like of it. We start a pot. Well, I guess it's like, literature, or I guess it's I history, not literature. I will now write the most exactly. awesome book that's yeah. ever been written before. Well, in his defense, it is. No, it's, I, I. It's I, also kind of how we start saying. the podcast. Oh, I know. I know. He's talking about how awesome it was. But I think he's writing it during. The war, I think though. it's important because it's it's really interesting that a historian would basically say. I am writing this. It's not an objective account. I have an opinion. He's like throwing his bias right out on the table originally from That's the first true. sentence. Well, here's an interesting philosophical question for you guys. Head over to Paul Tinkering for more. But what is it, does that make him Podcast a historian or a journalist? He's writing it during the war. Mm -hmm. Well, I think he's writing it after, but he experienced it firsthand. It's like a primary account. But then he's, they, are you, are you have to everything you write has to be after, but whether or not you— it might have been like five years after I believe it was or something like that. But uh, I guess my question is, is the purpose of a historian to be – I don't know why I can't mm. – uh, is the purpose of a historian to transcribe history, period? And if that is the case, then how, did, how does a journalist distinguish from a histo historian? Um, or does a historian the one trying to unearth what actually happened? Yeah, I mean the, just the idea of journalism has kind of changed because we've come to this sort of instant idea of it. But in theory, journalism is kind of the um, the ongoing investigation where history is the sort of final view or the the hindsight 20-yard uh, vision. So if that's the case, he's not a historian. He's a journalist. Well, when's he writing this? During. That's what it said in the introduction. He was writing this during the Peloponnesian War. He started it during. Okay. So he, he may have taken account, I think. He tries to be unbiased, I think, which is interesting. Like, that's kind of why he's historic, I think. And he also says he wants this to, like, last forever. So he wants this to... Thucydides the Athenian wrote the history of the war fought between Athens and Sparta, beginning the account at the very outbreak of the war. No, just but beginning the account. That just means it begins there. Still bugged that in he's the talking about himself in the third person. that it was going to be a great war and worth more writing about than any of those which had taken place in the past. My belief was based on the fact that the two sides were at the very height of their power and preparedness. I saw preparedness. And I saw, too, that the rest of the Hellenic world was committed to one side or the other. So there's a World War I point. Uh, even those who were not immediately engaged were deliberating on the courses which they were to take later. This was the greatest disturbance in the history of the Helen, Hellens, affecting also a large part of the non-Hellenic world, and indeed, I might also say, the whole of mankind. Hmm. For though I have found it impossible, because of its remoteness in time, to acquire a really precise knowledge of the distant past, or even of the history preceding our own period, yet, 
After looking back into it as far as I can, all the evidence leads me to conclude that these periods were not great periods either in warfare or in anything else. It appears, for example, that the country now called Hellas had not settled, had had no settled population in ancient times. Instead, there was a series of migrations at the various tribes, be, being under the constant pressure of invaders who were stronger than they were, were always prepared to abandon their own territory. There was no commerce and no safe communications either by land or sea. The use they made of their land was limited to the production of necessities. They had no surplus left over for capital and no regular system of agriculture. Since so does they, this even classify as literature? Uh... Well, what is literature? I'm asking you. I don't fucking know. I, I would say anything that's uh, of great writing is really? literature. Yeah. Oh, okay. I always thought it was like, um, you know, fiction. No, I don't think so. Okay. Look up literature. Let's look up the etymology of literature, please, mm -hmm. Joey. I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, at least, mm -hmm. anything written down, if it's, if it's an attempt to, you know, um, capture ideas in beautifully written word, it is literature. So poetry, in a way, kind of, you know, is literature. Okay, so in that this is not exactly a textbook, it is literature then? In a sense. I mean, it's a historical nonfiction account. So, okay. like, is nonfiction literature? Well, maybe yes, maybe not. It depends okay. on how it's written. Right That's, I, I, it, 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 I guess in that sense, for so, me personally, it is a judgment call. So, like, a really old copy of an encyclopedia would not be literature? No. Okay. No, it would be a reference manual. Gotcha. Yeah. Unless it's, like, really well-written. You know? <laughs> so subjective. Fucking artist. No, I, I don't know if it's subjective. I mean, you know. But I'll what put is well-written? I mean. I'll put it this way. If this book was, like, three pages long, written by Thucydides, and he's like, this one time a bunch of people fought and it sucked and people died. <laughs> That's the And we called it the Peloponnesian War. Right on. And, uh, you know, I saw some shit. Some mm -hmm. shit went down. I remember it, and this is what happened. So my brother Mike went down for the count somewhere, I don't know, like four or five years ago. And then, uh, you know, I lived. It's very sad, very sad, period. It's amazing I, you I'd can write that with that's such an not. accent. <laughs> I would say give that guy a reality show. <laughs> it's a big, beautiful war. So I, I, I would not call that literature. I would call that Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so, but just because you're an elitist. Well, yes. Do you guys want to know etymology? <laughs> but I mean, do you? Th but I love donuts. Yes, so. please. What is the etymology of, of literature? Uh, it's from uh, basically from Latin, the litera, and then literatura, and then eventually letter, like letters. That's all. Okay. Um, but the definition was kind of like what you said. It's just kind of a a work. Hold on, I'll give it better. Written works, especially those considered of superior or lasting artistic merit. There mm. you go. That's what I'm talking about. Superior merit, Sean Fa. And artistic. It can't, there's other secondary definitions. Books or writings published on a particular subject, such as the literature on environmental blah, blah, blah. Uh, there's also leaflets and other printed matter used to advertise products or give advice. Eh, mm. I, I guess like... Oh, yeah. That's just kind of a... You like, know. A, like this is a bunch of, uh, yeah. you know... Yeah. Here's some literature on the, uh, yeah. the new TVs that are coming out. Right. Here's some literature on your breast implants. Yeah, exactly. Shall I continue? I was thinking about upgrading. I think it's upgrading your titties. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, uh, you're beautiful as you are. <laughs> see, I don't even know where I, I had like such a nice transition from page to page. There was no commerce, no save, blah, 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 no surplus left over capital, and no regular system of agriculture since they lacked the protection of fortifications. And at any moment, an invader might appear and take away their land from them. 
Thus, in the belief that the day-to-day necessities of life could be secured just as well in one place as another, they showed no reluctance in moving from their homes, and therefore built no cities of any size or strength, nor acquired any important resources. Sounds like America. Yeah, I guess it kind of is the case. What? Who are they, who's he talking about right now? Yeah. I'm talking about. We got some cities. We did not in the on the offset. And oh, okay. we're not being complacent and we haven't built any in a while. That's because we like suburbs. No, we're just upgrading the cities that we bought. Yeah, we just built we suburbs. We don't fucking need any more cities. We have strip malls. We'll, we'll need to move most of them, but we'll get to that in the global warming show. I thought it doesn't exist. John? Where the soil was most fertile, there were the most frequent changes of population, as in what is now called Thessaly in Boeta, Boete, Boetia, Boetia probably, B-O-E-O-T-I-A. Uh... The most of the Peloponnese, except Arcadia, and in orders of the richest part of Hellas. For in these fertile districts, it was easier for individuals to secure greater powers than their neighbors. This led to disunity, which often caused the collapse of the states, which in any case were more likely than others to attract the attention of foreign invaders. It is interesting to observe that Attica, Attica, which because of their poverty, I should let you guys do that. Sorry. It is interesting to observe that Attica, which because of the poverty of her soil, was remarkably free from political disunity and had always been inhabited by the same race of people. Indeed, this is an important example of my theory that it will that it was because of migrations that there were an that that there was an uneven that there was uneven development elsewhere. For when people were driven driven out from them, other parts of Greece by war or by disturbances, the most powerful of them took refuge in Athens as being a subtle society. Uh, then they became citizens and soon made the city even more populous than it had been before, with the result that later Attica became too small. For Attica! Oh, my God. <laughs> and colonies were set out to Ionia. Um, so what's, okay, the part, what's the part? Can I give a read? quick geography thing so you, you talk may. about where we were at? So Attica, you keep talking about Attica. Don't do it. <laughs> okay, I'm serious. Hurts my ears. Okay, Attica. Is- Attica. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> okay, Attica is the state for where Athens is. Athens is the capital of Attica. Attica is this little kind of uh, like a Florida, like this little uh, dangly um, what's peninsula. it called? Peninsula. Thank you. <laughs> off the edge of Greece and Bo- Boeotia, whatever it is, is right above it, and it's kind of blocking it and like making surrounding it, and it belongs to Sparta. And Sparta obviously is the enemy of, of Athens and Attica. So. Attica is kind of like surrounded on all sides on the ground. And basically they have to develop a crazy good Navy because they have a bunch of little islands, little colonies. Crazy good Navy. And they have the best Navy in the world. Oh, I have the funeral orange. And Sparta has the best land army in the world. Obviously they're known for their hoplites and their phalanx formations. Hoplites are the uh, guys with the long spears. Exactly. And really the, although they say that the hoplites are named for their hoplon, which is the shield, the round shield they use. And they each hold it in their right hand and I be- oh shit, I forget it's left or right demon. But whatever. It'd probably be their left. left. Probably their left and yeah. they stab at the right. And yeah. then, so each guy kind of leans to the right to go oh. under the shield of the guy to his right. Oh, gotcha. So naturally, which is interesting, the hoplite formation always kind of moves to one side because they're always kind of pushing towards the guy with the shield to block the death. And what's the <laughs> phalanx? Phalanx basically just means a bunch of spears together, a bunch of guys like oh. four or five, six rows deep or more, and they all got the like spear wall. hence phallic huge long spears. We're talking twelve feet, eighteen feet long spears, and they These have are to be longer held- than the spears that the uh, hoplites carry. 
They're pretty much the same. The, okay. fa- the phalanx is the formation that it is. The hoplites are the specific. Oh, the hoplites, the dude. Hoplites the refer to the, the kind of guys that actually, they're like almost like the Minutemen from yeah, co- yeah. Co- colonial America. They're like just normal dudes. They happen to own their own armor and own their own shields and swords and whatever. Oh, really? Yeah. So they don't all have good protection. It's like whatever you can buy. Gotcha. Yeah. And, it, and they say like, okay, you you have to just be called into Again, the army. Again, like America. Yeah. And just randomly you have to be called into the army when, when some threat occurs. Ah. Uh, so it's like a draft situation. Yeah, but it's like your duty. But it's just everyone. It's not the draft. It's just grow <laughs> up. I mean, but this is also classical but you guys are Athens. Being so serious. Somebody has to. This is like out. Athens in their heyday. So I mean, these are like you know the smartest minds of the. Okay, that sounds so Westerny, civilization, uh, mm, ethnocentric. So I want to yeah. say that this is also kind of people are equally dumb throughout history. One thing Th- Th- Thucydides does not get is the global picture here. He's simply saying, "Oh, it's, it's the greater world, the Hellenic world." Mm. You know, what about the rest of the fucking world that's living without you know this little tiny picture of Greece? Did here? they know about the rest of the world? Like, did they yeah, think that there was? World, about it, but they probably just thought, oh, they're savages or whatever. The it's fuck. not like they're seeing satellite images and shit and, you know, understanding their place in the cosmos. They're, I understand. This is, well, this they knew is their everything. place in the cosmos. Well, uh, not exactly, but. Sure they did. We still were uh, Galileo having the sun wasn't around. around us. And, fuck yeah. Galileo. Galileo. Galileo Figaro. <laughs> Magnifico. I found Pericles' funeral oh. oration. I know, it's in book, Do uh, it. book two. Yeah, it's it's, it's great. It's like the best. It's supposedly like, I'm sorry, Breed. <laughs> I'll shut up. In the same winter, the Athenians, following their annual custom, gave a public funeral for those who had been the first to die in the war. These funerals are, are held in the following way. Two days before the ceremony, the bones of the fallen are brought into a tent, in a tent uh, which had been erected, and people made whatever offerings they wished to, own, to their own dead. It's highlighted, so it's screwing me up a little bit. Sorry. Uh, then there is a funeral procession in which the coffins of Cyprus wood are Wait, carried we're on We're starting lines. with the bones? That's a little bit uh, deep into the story there, ain't it? Well, no, we're going to the funeral oration. Right, but he says the bones are brought in. So, like, you know, where's the rest of them? Uh, I don't know. But, no, I'm just, you know. Uh, You're yeah. just making fun of Thucydides? Um, See how big, do you want to thick this fucking book? No, no. Book is? Okay, hold on. Let me read a little bit about it. It was established in Athenian practice by the late fifth century to hold a public funeral in honor of all those who died in the war. The remains of the dead were left out for three days in a tent where offerings could be made for the dead. Then a funeral procession was held with ten cypress coffins carrying the remains, one for each of the Athenian tribes, another for the remains that could not be identified. The procession led to a public grave where they were buried. The last part of the ceremony was a speech delivered by a prominent Athenian citizen. Okay, so is bones just a fancy or like a uh, literary term for dead bodies? Or does oh, he probably. literally mean the bones? Could Two be days both. before the ceremony, the bones of the fallen are brought in. Oh, no, it's I, I'm right. just wondering if they're like, you know, decomposed and this is like 10 months after they've died I, and we're just kind of dragging shit around. Well, so it's translated from Greek, so I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly don't know. I, if I had to guess, it probably is a little bit of both. I think it probably, I think it probably just means the corpse. Okay. In the end, yeah. the, the bones Old of the fallen. Of bones are, the, yeah, the yeah. bones of the fallen are brought yeah. into a tent which had been erected, and people make whatever offerings they wish to their own dead. Okay. So I don't. I, so it's not just a pile of loose bones. It's no, most no, likely, no. yeah. No. Uh, then there's a funeral procession in which coffins of cypress wood are carried on wagons. There is one coffin for each tribe, which contains the bones of the members of that tribe. Read bones here, please, as corpse for Sean Paws. <laughs> <laughs> for Sean Paws' request. Wow. One empty beer is de- is decorated and carried in the procession. Say that again. One empty beer. Oh. B i e r. Nothing about MTV. MTV. Yeah. Keep going. I don't understand that joke. Explain that joke. No, I wasn't a joke. I just heard you say MTV. 
a beer is a empty beer. Beer. Yeah, a beer. Yeah, beer. I was right. Okay. Uh, it's a movable frame on which a coffin is beer uh, here. placed. Is decorated and carried in the procession. This is for the missing, which bodies could not be recovered. So, like Joey, spoiler. Everyone who wishes to, both citizens and foreigners, can join in the procession. Uh, and the women who are related to the dead are there to make their laments at the tomb. The bones, read corpse for Sean Fa, <laughs> are laid in the public bur- in the public burial place, which is in the most beautiful quarter outside the city walls. Here, the Athenians always bury those who have fallen in war. The only exception is those who died at Marathon, who, because their achievement was considered absolutely outstanding, were buried on the battlefield itself. What does that mean? What's Marathon? Marathon was a, was a, a battle site. This is one battle or like where battles are held often? It was a battle, the Battle okay. of Marathon. Gotcha. And there was a, there's a great story as far as how Marathon. Battle. So Marathon is 26.3 miles away from Athens. Uh, and they sent a runner basically to, to tell of the victory. Gotcha. Um, and at the, so the, the, he had to run basically yeah, yeah. 26.3 miles. And when he got to Athens, he, you know, he declared, um, oh man, what's victory? What's victory in Greek? Do you remember? Excelsior. Something like that. He, he, you know, he, he shouted the, the, basically the word, the Greek word for victory um, right and died right after. Oh, gotcha. So that's where we get marathon from. Hmm. Um, See, you people, it? you're not supposed to be running that Sorry, fucking long. <laughs> it's true. <clears throat> when the bones have been laid in the earth, a man chosen by the city for his intellectual gifts and for his general reputation makes an appropriate speech in praise of the dead. And after the speech, all depart. This is the procedure at these burials and all through the war. When the time came to do so, the Athenians followed this ancient custom. Now at the burial of those who were first to fall in the war, Pericles, son of Xanthippus. Xanthippus? Sure. Yeah, Xanthippus was chosen to make the speech. When the moment arrived, he came forward from the tomb and standing on the high platform so so that he might be heard by as many people as possible in the crowd, he spoke as follows. Do you have something, Joey, or do we go? No, keep going. He spoke as follows. Many of those who have spoken here in the past have praised the institution of this speech at the close of our ceremony. It seemed to them a mark of honor to our soldiers who have fallen in war that a speech should be made over them. I do not agree. These men have shown themselves valiant in action, and it would be enough, I think, for their glories to be proclaimed in action as you have just seen it, as you have just seen it done at this funeral organized by the state. Our belief in the courage and manliness of so many should not be hazard, hazarded on the, on the goodness or badness of one man's speech. Then it is not easy to speak with a proper sense of balance. When a man's, when a man's listeners find it difficult to believe in the truth of what one is saying, the man who knows the facts and loves the dead may well think, it that, an, may well think that an oration tells less than what he knows and what he, what he would like to hear. Sorry. Uh, tells less than what he knows and what he would like to hear. Others who do not know so much may feel envy for the dead and think the orator overpraises them when he speaks of exploits that are beyond their own capacities. Praise of other people is tolerable only up to a certain point, the point where one still believes that one could do oneself some of the things one is hearing about. Once you get beyond this point, you will find people becoming jealous and incredulous. However, the fact is that this institution was set up in approved by our forefathers, and it is my duty to follow the tradition and do my best to meet the wishes and the expectations of every one of you. So this guy's like closing out the ceremonies and he's all like, 
everyone that came before me was a blowhard douchebag. I'm doing this shit right. Not even no, not at all. He's oh. saying that this cus- the the custom this custom that I'm about to perform is unnecessary because the dead have basically spoken for themselves in action. Okay. And what I'm about to do is vaguely unnecessary, but I I have to. So I'm gonna do my best. Gotcha. That's more or less. What I, said. I think it's very reminiscent of the Gettysburg Address. There's so many parallels. I think that's fair. Well, I'd probably say that the Gettysburg Address is a parallel to this. Of course. <laughs> no, no, that's kind of what I meant. I just meant that Gotta the, go I was back go- in time. Well, I was not necessarily g- parallel, but a, but a reference, perhaps. Sure, but there's similarities in that. Um, uh, Lincoln says we cannot consecrate this ground any further, meaning like as the dead already con- I've already hallowed this ground. That's the words he used. You know, what I mean. No, we cannot hallow this ground. Okay, same thing. We cannot hallow this no, ground. No, it's not it's the same thing. Hallowed is to make holy. Hallowed yeah, that's is what like, I'm meaning. Dig- oh, he's saying right. we cannot make it any holier because the people who have died here have already made it holy. Died. Same thing Pericles is saying. Oh, okay. Right? Um, yeah, sure. I guess. What do you mean? You don't. I'm trying to analyze the Gettysburg Address without it in front of me. I'm not 100 percent sure. Just saying, he's saying basically he's saying we cannot we cannot we, consecrate this. We cannot we, we cannot consecrate. We cannot consecrate. We cannot hallow this ground. But why? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because, I thought that was just don't glorify war. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't well, know if we have I context. Think, I think you're imposing Oh, I think he's bit. basically saying the ground has already been consecrated by the I, people I who died here. I, I don't know. Where is that, though? I don't. We'd have to look at it. We'd have to look at it again. I don't remember. I like, do you remember what came before it or came after it? And yeah. even still, those, I don't. Those dead have not died in vain kind of thing. I think that's what it is. I, I'll, I'll look it up. I'm sorry. Okay. It's perhaps. Anyway. Um, well, here, Thucydides, con- or uh, Pericles continues. I shall begin by speaking about our ancestors, since it is only right and proper on such an occasion to pay them the honor of recalling what they did. In this land of ours, there have been the same people living from generation to generation up till now, and they, by their courage and their virtues, have handed it on to us, a free country. They certainly deserve our praise. Even more so do our fathers deserve it. For to the inheritance they have received, they ad- for the inheritance they received, they added all the empire we have now, and it was not without blood and toil that they have handed it down to us of the present generation. And then we ourselves, assembled here today, who are mostly in the prime of life, have, in most directions, added to the power of our empire and have not organized our state in such a way that it is perfectly well able to look after itself, both in peace and in war. I have no wish to make a long speech on subjects familiar to you all, so I shall say nothing about the warlike deeds by which we acquired our power or the battles in which we, we or our fathers gallantly, gallantly resisted our enemies, Greek or foreign. What I want to do is, in the first place, to discuss the spirit in which we faced our trials and also our constitution and the, and the way of life, which has made us great. After that, I shall speak in praise of the Constitution, not like, uh, not a document, but like, you know, your physical constitution. Uh, and our constitution and the way of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To just get spirit more, more emotional. Our trials and our constitution. Do they have yeah. a, actually like a written democratic constitution? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. What I want to do is in the first place, discuss the spirit in which we faced our trials and also our constitution and the way of life, which has made us great. Um, I, I don't know if it's specifically referring to a particular do- document or just our way of life. Our resolve. Our, our, yeah. yeah, our resolve. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Okay. After that, I shall speak in praise of the dead, believing that this kind of speech is not appropriate to the present occasion and that this holy assembly of citizens and foreigners may listen to it with advantage. Holy as in religious or holy as in um, the of the whole? Uh, I think holy. H-O-L-Y. Where is it? 
like religious. This kind of speech is not appropriate to the present occasion, and that this whole assembly of citizens, foreigners, where, where, where was that? After that, I was believing that this kind of speech is not appropriate to the present occasion, and that this whole assembly, oh, oops, okay. <laughs> I just read it wrong. Yep. Let me say, did you find something on the, the Gettysburg before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of reading it, that's all. I can kind of read you the part that I was referring to. Uh, okay, so we are met on a great ba- Okay, I'm sorry. Now we are engaged in a great civil war. We are testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived, so dedicated, can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of it as a final resting place for those who died here, that the nation might live. This we may in all propriety do. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have hallowed it far above our poor power to add or detract. Boom. Oh, Nailed gotcha. it. Well done, Joey. Let me say that our system of government does not copy the institutions of our neighbors. It is more the ease of our being a model to others than of our imitating anyone else. Our constitution is called a democracy because power is in the hands, not of a minority, but of the whole people. When it is a question of settling private disputes, everyone is equal before the law. When it is a question of putting one person before another in positions of public responsibility, what counts is not membership of a particular class, but the actual ability which, that man, which the man possesses. No one, so long as he has it in him to be of service of the state, is kept in political obscurity because of poverty. And, just as our political life is free and open, it, so is our day-to-day life in our relations with each other. Wait, so if they're talking about a physical, like, written constitution... It's already better than ours. So they do have an Athenian no, constitution. Yeah. I mean, well, I know it's better than ours. Well, I mean, just the fact that our constitution was written for white landowning men, like specifically those were the ones that voted. Well, whereas, they had slaves here too. I mean, yeah. they had women were, you know, property. But, in, they're, in but they're specifically well, including. Well, women were not actually. Women were very powerful in Athens. Sorry, guys. Right, regardless, they're, still, they're specifically including poor people, which is something that our constitution excluded. Sure yeah, it does. Classical Athens is slightly more democratic in many ways. Our, our constitution doesn't protect poor people? Uh, a from poor a, people from didn't a representation? Have, you had to be a landowner to vote, essentially. Are you sure? Where is yeah. that? Um, I have the constitution right here. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'd have to Google it. I mean, that's... Uh, or maybe you have to pay taxes and yeah, therefore I mean, the, you have property tax. Exactly. The uh, Who could vote has constantly been changed, but it had uh, it was definitely tied to landowning. The thing about classical Athens was it forced you to participate. There was like the 300. Mm. Literally, you had to, like, they drew, drew lots. And if you, your name went off, you had to serve as, like, for a year or so as a senator or whatever. Mm. Just the deal. Everyone was in there. It's like, kind of like jury duty. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm trying to, I'm looking, I'm like, kind of scanning through yeah, here as yeah, far no as the amendments. The, uh, I mean, just that concept of, like, um, forcing people to vote. And uh, I don't know, that's... Uh, seems sketchy like what does uh, forcing people to vote just because you know you're um you're basically just almost uh increasing the chances of randomness rather than a um an actual fair process like if if you're just saying that everyone has to show up and vote regardless you know you you don't have to do research so everyone just has to show up and pull a lever you know, that to me, that's just kind of like people well, that don't care. you have to serve for a year. Oh, yeah. That's different than voting. Yeah, certainly. But that's but, the people who vote. Oh, everyone that votes has to serve somewhere for a year? Yeah. There's like a, there's like a Congress. Service guarantee citizenship? Yeah. Kind of. Awesome. It, in fact, I think you would like it. It's like a democracy to a crazy extent that it's almost like fascism. I just quickly scanned the amendments. I couldn't really find okay. anything as in fact, far I'm as gonna, I, I'll, I also lost what I was looking for as what was better. The, I, as far as I understand, I don't think there's any 
Um, like, like you, you can be completely poor and still have a representation in, in America, can't you? Well, now, yes. But I believe when I, I always had the understanding that when the Constitution was written, that's where you get uh, that it was only landowning males that were allowed to vote. Um, I, I didn't see that in. OK. In the. Well, or do you mean before the amendments or within the amendments as well? Well, the, the first the first 10 amendments came at the same time. But right. then, yes, the amendments would have changed. So that you mean only in the articles. As far as who's allowed to vote, like the legislative I, branches. Yeah, I would assume so. That would be in the first, the first part. I guess I'm not going to read the whole thing. House of uh, the House of Representatives shall be. So this is Article One, Section Two. The House of Representatives shall be composed of members chosen every second year by the people of the United States, and the electors in each state shall have the qualifications requisite for electors of the most numerous branch of the state legislature. No person, no person shall be a representative who shall not have attained to the age of 20 years and shall. Uh, and been seven years a citizen of the United States, and who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of that state, which, he sh- which shall not be chosen. Representative of direct taxes shall be appointed among the several states in which be included within this union. I, I don't know. It's fine. I guess you can Google it. I'll keep reading, and then we'll go. The issue of voting rights in the United States, specifically the enfranchisement or disenfranchisement of different groups, has been contested. Um, eligi- eligibility to vote in the United States... Um, uh, this is different than what the synopsis was saying, but basically the synopsis was saying that it's not specifically in the uh, Constitution, that it's other documents that made that a thing. Okay. Do you want to keep going with this? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, we do not get into a state with our next door neighbor if he enjoys himself in his own way, nor do we give him to... Nor do we give him the kind of black looks which, though they do, they do no real harm, still do hurt people's feelings. We are free and tolerant in our private lives, but in public affairs, we keep to the law. This is because it commands our deep respect. We give our obedience to those whom we put in the positions of authority, and we obey the laws themselves, especially those which are for the, pre- for the protection of the oppressed, and those unwritten laws which it is an acknowledged, an acknowledged shame to break. And here's another point. When our work is over, we are in a position to enjoy all kinds of recreation for our spirits. There are various kinds of contests and sacrifices regularly throughout the year. In our own houses, we... Oh, the Olympics coming up. (laughs) In our own homes... Starting just about now. Yeah, literally right now. 49 minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, In our own homes, we find a beauty and good taste which delight us every day and which drive away our cares. Then the greatness of our city brings it about that all the good things from from all over the world flow into us so that to us, it seems just as natural to enjoy foreign goods as our own local products. Shop locally, you guys. Think globally. <laughs> no laughs. <laughs> Joey's shaking his head. It doesn't and work. rolling my eyes. <laughs> there is a great difference between us and our opponents in our attitude towards military security. Here are some of the examples. Our city is open to the world, and we have no periodical deportations in order to prevent people observing or finding that secrets which might be of military advantage to the enemy. This is because we rely on secret weapons, but on our own, not on secret weapons, but on our own real courage and loyalty. Spartans are stupid. There is a difference, too, in our educational systems. Okay. The Spartans, from their earliest boyhood, are submitted to those, to the most laborious training in courage. We pass our lives without all these restrictions and yet are just as ready to face the same dangers as they are. Here's the proof of this. When the Spartans invade our land, they do not come by themselves, but bring all their allies with them. Whereas we, when we launch an attack abroad, do the job by ourselves. And 
though fighting on foreign soil, do not often fail to defeat opponents who are fighting for their own hearths and home. As a matter of fact, none of our enemies have ever yet been confronted with our total strength because we have to divide our attention between our navy and the many missions on which our troops are set on land. Yet, if our enemies engage a detachment for our, of our forces and defeat it, they give themselves credit for having thrown back our entire army. Or, if they lose, they claim that they were beaten by us in full strength. There are certain advantages, I think, in our way of meeting dangerous, uh, danger uh, voluntarily, with an easy mind instead of with a laborious training, with natural rather than with the state-induced courage. We do not have to spend our time practicing to meet sufferings which are still in the future. And when they are actually upon us, we show ourselves just as brave as these others who are always in strict training. That is one point in which, I think, our city deserves to be admired. Keeps going. I, I think it's so many parallels to America and yeah? modern wars. Let's see if he keeps going. He keeps going for kind of a while here. I'm trying to think of what, if there's like a nice little spot. But it could fit, I just think it could fit in with so many modern politician speeches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree, actually. Um, so I'm going to skip just to the last two paragraphs. As for those of you who are sons or brothers of the dead, I can see a hard struggle in front of you. Everyone always speaks well of the dead, and even if you rise to the greatest heights of heroism... It will be a hard thing for you to get the reputation of having come near, let alone equaled their standard. When one is alive, one is always liable to the jealousy of one's, own, of one's competitors. But when one is out of the way, the honor one receives is sincere and unchallenged. Perhaps I should say a word or two on the duties of women to these among you who are now widowed. I can say all I have to say in a, sh in a short word of advice. Your great glory is not to be inferior to what God has made you. And the greatest glory of a woman is to be least talked, talked about by men, whether they are praising you or criticizing you. I have now, as the law demanded, said what I have had to say. For the time being, our offerings to the dead have been made, and for this future their children will be supported at the public expense by the city until they come of age. This is the crown and prize which she offers both to the dead and to their children, for the ordeals which they, brave, which they have faced. Where the, reward of valor are, where the rewards of valor are the greatest, there you will find also the best and bravest spirits among the people. And now, when you have mourned for your dear ones, you must depart. Listening to literally literary. I have to hit it a second time. Yes, I don't know. It's fine. All right. Any and questions, Sean? Apparently, it's the Declaration of Independence that limits it to property owners. There you go. There you go. <laughs>